so this will be the third Sunday. Installment of June, yes. Yes, our third upload of June. Yes, unless we decide to do, like, random filler episodes, because Amanda and I have been, like, kind of spitballing really good ideas. Like, she made a suggestion that we should do, read, like, maybe scary stories, like, from scary stories to tell in the dark. So maybe we'll do, like, a random... More lighthearted, like, yeah. obviously fake stories that are kind of creepy. You know, but they're fun. A, a change in the seriousness that we always have. Yeah, like palate cleansers. One point that we wanted to make known was that uh, usually we do Ashley goes one week, I go the next week, Ashley goes the next week, vice versa. Well, Ashley has a three-part Jeffrey Dahmer story. It's a big undertaking. It's like 35 pages long. So Amanda graciously said, you know what, why don't we switch up the routine a little bit? I'll do two weeks in a row, and then you can give them all three parts back-to-back so they don't have to wait, like, super long for these. Because hopefully I do it well enough that you guys want to tune in every single time it comes out and you don't want to wait for it. Right, or you hear Ashley tell this riveting Jeffrey Dahmer story, and then the next week you think, oh, here's the next part, and you have to listen to my... Yes. And you're like, wait a fucking minute, this is Amanda. like, dumb story. (laughs) (laughs) No, a very riveting story from Amanda, but I know personally, and nothing against the podcasts that break up their their installments of, you know, when they do a big heavy hitter like a Jeffrey Dahmer or a Ted Bundy, and they break it up with maybe a smaller episode in between, but I know that I desperately need that next installment right away, so we're going to try to do it back to back, so you guys don't have to wait that long. Right. So this week would normally be Ashley, but I'm going to go again with my second story, and then you'll have her for three weeks. Big round of applause for Amanda. Alright. Uh, I've week, had a lot to drink, guys. I'm so sorry. I know. We, uh, we killed that bottle of baby wine wine. For those of you who maybe are tuning into this episode for the first time, last two episodes, we've been drinking a bottle of dandelion wine. Alright. So, uh, my story this week is about Dorothy Jane Scott. Hell yeah. This one is very riveting. I feel like you're really going to like this I'm one. I'm so excited. I'm on quite literally, if you look at my butt right now, on the edge of my seat. <laughs> All right. So, um, Dorothy was a single mother of the age of 32, living near Anaheim, California in 1980. Okay. Uh, she lived with her son and her aunt. As of this point, that's the only time you ever hear of her aunt. Just okay. Now that she lives with her, that was it. I don't know if she was young, if she was old, whatever. Auntie's not important. No, not at all. Okay. So, Dorothy lived with her son. Her son's name is Sean. So, the three of them in one house. Uh, she was a secretary, quote-unquote secretary, for two different jobs that sold psychedelic items that were kind of like smoke shops. Dorothy's friends and family told authorities and media that she was a very devout Christian woman, was hmm. kind-hearted, and mostly kept to herself. They also said she wasn't the person to ever drink or do drugs. And I thought initially that that was kind of strange that a devout Christian would work at, like... A smoke shop. Well, like a psychedelic would, shop. <laughs> right, that would work at not one but two jobs that sold items like love beads, dildos, lava bands. Yeah. Pipes that you could smoke, quote-unquote, tobacco products out of. It's never tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm totally cool with sex and head shops and everything. But I don't hold anything against people who work there. You know, like... Right, whatever. whatever. But I was kind of, you know... At the same time, I would never think that someone like my mom would work there. Yeah. So, like, alright, it's kind of weird that she's a devout If you truly are what you say you are, you're not going to even be comfortable being in there. Right, right. So, um, I wondered, but I did a little more digging, found out that these shops were actually both previously owned by Dorothy's father. So, perhaps she worked there simply by relation. Hmm. That's a little weird that... Okay. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't. I, 
I couldn't figure out what, like, Make your money however you make your money, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't figure out, like, what the relationship was between her father and her... If he whatever. was maybe also a devout Christian. I don't know. I don't hmm. know. But the, it seemed healthy. Yeah. It was a healthy, normal yeah. relationship. Especially if you And when I first her. heard about the story, I just heard she was a receptionist or okay. a secretary, and I didn't know she worked at a head shop, you know? Uh-huh. Or two, for that matter. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Just interesting. But, um... While Dorothy worked, her parents living in Anaheim would take care of her son. Dorothy's father said that Dorothy would date on occasion, but had no steady relationships that the family knew of. Mm -hmm. Um, Dorothy's baby dad was not in the picture, and he had moved away to Missouri. Oh, poor Dorothy. Okay. Well, it was fine. Like, there was no, like, she lived a very normal life. And in the beginning of 1980... Dorothy began to receive a lot of menacing phone calls, and it became quite clear that she'd become the recipient of an unknown man's advances. Oh, no, we do not like a stalker. (laughs) No. Oh, stalker for sure. The phone calls Dorothy received would range from declarations of love to him threatening to cut her up into pieces. (gasps) Okay, that's drastic. (laughs) So, uh, Dorothy also claimed that she was able to pinpoint... She, well, she wasn't able to pinpoint the man's voice, but she was kind of familiar. It sounded familiar. So it was somebody that she knew, at least a little or bit. Or had, had met, at least, yeah. you know. But she couldn't, she had no idea who it was, basically. No mm-hmm. one knew who it was. Okay. In time, the calls became more serious. On one occasion, the man told Dorothy that he had left a gift for her outside. Dorothy hesitantly investigated and found, no, a, dead, she's found a dead rose on the windshield of her car. That was that's, that's not that bad. That's no. Fine. I accepted her to find like a dead, like a I was decapitated ex- scalp. Yeah, I was expecting you know? something very bad. <laughs> right, but even then, it was like he was watching her. And that's a little weird. And she still had no idea who it was. Yeah. Um. So Dorothy began to start self defense classes. Good for her. Yeah. Very shortly after the calls yeah. began. Good. Um. This is really the only thing she could do at this point. Yeah. You know, the authorities won't act on things like that unless mm-hmm. they know who it is, really. Or sometimes, like, even, I don't know how true this is today, but, like, I know that if there's, like, old stalker laws, they won't do anything unless they've already actually caused you harm. Yeah. Right, 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 And right. that's ridiculous. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She debated on getting a gun as well, but decided against it because... Uh, she was nervous of having one in the same house with her son. He, her son was, Aww. like, maybe three years old. Good mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, she was doing really all that all that she could. Mm-hmm. On May 28th of 1980, that's almost exactly 40 years ago on the day we're recording on, which I thought <gasps> was really interesting. That's so cool. I know that's not, like, that's not that weird, but that's really cool that we... It's really crazy to think that we're 40 years ago from 1980, and the technology has advanced greatly since then. And you know what? That just goes to show, like, I, and I see a lot on Twitter where people will share something, and they're like, you guys are acting like this just happened yesterday. Why are you still talking about it? There is no time frame for talking about injustices and horrible crimes committed. Yeah, for, for sure. I definitely, totally agree. Yeah. Anyways, uh, on this day, Dorothy went to work as usual and dropped her son off at her parents' house before heading into work. And there was a team meeting that day when Dorothy noticed that one of her co her coworkers, Conrad Bostron, or ba- I don't know what his last name is, but his name's Conrad. He was looking really unwell and Conrad. sick. Conrad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I was I, like, "Don't do it, Ashley." <laughs> Article. Oh my god, okay. Okay, anyway. <laughs> this 
this was the result of a black widow spider bite. So he Holy like, shit! <laughs> yeah. What? So he was like definitely not doing okay. Yeah, man, so, poor Conrad. Poor Conrad. <laughs> so Dorothy and one of her other colleagues decided to take Conrad to the hospital using Dorothy's car. I can't stop talking about it. Every time I say Conrad, I think they whisper. <laughs> he did it so well. Oh, it's a dandelion one. <laughs> oh, so basically, Dorothy and another colleague decided to take Conrad to the hospital using Dorothy's car. When they arrived at UC Irvine Medical Hospital, it was nearly 9 o'clock in the evening. Um, after getting checked out, Pam is the other coworker, mm-hmm. and Conrad stopped by the in-hospital pharmacy to pick up a prescription while Dorothy went to the bathroom. It is a theory that Dorothy did not just go to the bathroom, but also made a phone call while she was in the bathroom. Ha ha. So I don't know how true that is, but that's just a theory that I heard. Okay. Um, so at this time, they were separated for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. So Dorothy came back, said, hey, since Conrad's not feeling totally 100%, I'm going to go get the car from the parking deck. And I'll meet you guys at the main entrance. Okay. So Pam and Conrad waited for Dorothy at the entrance until they grew impatient waiting for her and decided to walk up towards the car park. As they approached the car park, they saw Dorothy's station wagon speeding towards them. They were confused as to why she was driving so fast. They tried to get the driver's attention. They couldn't see who it was due to the headlights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the driver sped past them out of the garage. Oh. So they're standing there, they're like, hey, 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 and this just went right, pa- right past them. I would be so fucking scared. So <sighs> Pam and Conrad had come to the conclusion that she had something very urgent to deal with, perhaps involving her son. Like, they didn't even, yeah. they didn't even think, like, that she could have been hurt or abducted or anything. Very rational of them, because I would have immediately jumped in. <laughs> right. So, so they thought, like, okay, something's wrong with her son, mm-hmm. she's going, whatever. So, cell phones weren't, like, super big during this time. Yeah, it's just the 80s. Yeah. It, yeah, they were, they had very big antennas if they were there. <laughs> right, right. So, they thought, okay, maybe she'll come back for us. So, um, Pam and Conrad waited at the hospital for their two hours before calling wow. Dorothy's parents and asking them if everything was okay, and they told them what happened at the car park. Mm-hmm. And then, at that time, when the, obviously, Dorothy's parents were like, no, she's not here, like, we don't know. Pam decided to get the police involved. Yeah. So this was two hours after she'd been abducted, which mm-hmm. is honestly enough time. That's a long time. And so at roughly 4.30 in the morning, um, 10 miles away from the hospital, mm-hmm. Dorothy's car was found down an alley and set on fire. There was no evidence of where Dorothy was at the time, and Dorothy's ex-partner and father of their child was quickly eliminated as a suspect as he was... White, certainly in Missouri at the time. Okay. Like, he had so many aliases. Like Yeah, he, he I didn't died. even suggest, I didn't even think, like, right. as you are telling a story, I didn't really think I, about I, him. Like, there was nothing about Dorothy's previous life that made me feel like anything wasn't healthy. Like, it sounded a whole lot like they just didn't work out. Yeah. And that he wasn't really interested in her. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Exactly. So, a week after Dorothy's disappearance, her parents began to receive taunting calls from the man suspected to be the one who abducted Dorothy and was stalking her prior. So while Dorothy was receiving phone calls from this man, after she got abducted, this guy started calling her parents. Um, What? Specifically, only when Dorothy's mother was home alone. On the first call, the man simply said, I've got her, and hung up. Oh, God. 
The calls were almost like clockwork. Every Wednesday around 4 p.m., they would receive calls from this man claiming that he had either killed Dorothy or still had her alive and captive. It was that back and forth, yeah. you know, whatever. Tracing the calls was impossible because each call was almost a single sentence from the man before hanging up. It wasn't enough time for the police. Yeah, he did that on purpose. Right, and he and he only ever called when the mom was home alone. So the husband, her, no, Dorothy's father was never home at the time. Because I wondered that too. I was like, why didn't he ever answer the phone? But he, oh, yeah, yeah. he couldn't because somehow the stalker knew when Dorothy's mom was home alone. That is even scarier. Right, and they still had no idea who it was. After news of Dorothy, of like Dorothy um, missing, was released to the media, the Orange County Register received a call. The police were certain that this was the man, as he knew details of the case that were not released to the public. He knew Dorothy changed her scarf before going to the hospital, which verified that he had been following her the whole time. Horrifying. So, guaranteed that he followed her 24-7. Like, he, <gasps> he knew that she was at the meeting. He knew that she went, or maybe not at the meeting, but he knew that she went home and changed her scarf before going to the hospital. And that's a lot of information for just some random some person to have. Right. When he called the Orange County Register, he told the editor, I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. Wait a minute. <laughs> wow. That's a lot taken. That is a lot to, That reminds me of almost like, um, I mean, he obviously is a stalker. That's not in question. But like when people um, stalk celebrities mm-hmm. and they're like, we were together, but she's got this husband. Like what? She's seeing someone else. Yes. Like they're gen- they genuinely believe they're with this person. Uh, I have my own theory about mm-hmm. this whole thing that I get to at the end. <laughs> We so. love a good theory on crime <laughs> and the coconut. <laughs> Should so. have been called theory in the coconut. <laughs> Probably. I love theories. Dorothy's parents told authorities um, they were almost certain she was not seeing anyone else because um, she was either during the time caring for her son or working. And I imagine she was close to her parents. Yeah. So they were certain, like, she's not seeing anybody, whatever. The calls went on for four years. Like, her mom would receive calls from I'm sorry. Four. Four years after Dorothy's disappearance, her mom would receive calls almost daily. And I can almost guarantee you, I mean, I don't know the outcome of the story, but I can almost guarantee you she was not actually alive for any of that. No. She was dead, like, pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, for the first time, Dorothy's father answered the phone, and the man immediately hung up and did not call for another four months. So, um, there are theories as to why the man was spooked by Dorothy's father's voice. Perhaps the caller thought that he had the wrong house where the family moved, um, or the caller was afraid that Dorothy's father would recognize his voice. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. Right. Especially if Dorothy's father owned these shops before. Yeah. Which is where I'm assuming that she came in contact with this guy. Yeah. So, almost three months after the last call, a construction worker came across some bones just off the Santa Canyon Road in Anaheim. Mm, that's sad. The set of human bones were next to a set of dog bones that seemed to be partially burned due to a brush fire in the area two years prior. Okay. So she's been missing for four years now. Yeah. These bones were dated to be there two years prior. At least. I think the killer put the dog bones and the human bones together to kind of throw mm. off a trail. Of yeah. Like, oh, these are just dog bones. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But the but the flame, like the charring, was definitely from the brush fire, not yeah. from him. Not an intentional up. fire. Right. Okay. Two years after Dorothy's disappearance is when this happened. Dorothy's jewelry and watch were also found among these remains. Dorothy's watch was stopped at 1230 on May 29th, 1980. 
Wow. They were leaving the hospital around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. She died that day. Oh, yeah. She died that day. For sure. Yeah. Um, hardly a few hours after the car sped out of the car park, uh, no cause of death was determined, and the remains were confirmed to be Dorothy's. So, two days after the body was confirmed, the caller had called back and asked, is Dorothy there? To her mom. Asked, is Dorothy this there? This is absolutely insane. And they never found the murderer. That was the last call you remember. <laughs> oh my god. So, I really only have one solid theory, that it was some creep that was a customer of the store's. He probably was a lo- he probably is a local that began to only frequent the stores to see her, but probably in secrecy, like sitting in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Because if she said she recognized the voice but couldn't pinpoint the guy, she it, it had wasn't, seen him at some point, had talked to him yeah, at but, some point. But it wasn't a guy that came in all the time. Yeah. You know, it wasn't somebody she remembered. Yeah. Maybe the maybe they only met once and the guy was instantly obsessed. Oh, you know, that's maybe so scary. like they only met one time and he was like, This is the girl. That's so scary. Um I wouldn't remember somebody only met once. No. So, stores like that are so small, there's typically only one or two people working at a time. Yeah. If Dorothy really was the quiet, polite, sweetheart everyone says she was, um, even if this guy was being a little flirty or kind of creepy with her at the counter, she probably just smiled and nodded, which is really the only go-ahead for psychos, really. Right. You know, she's probably like, "Uh uh-huh, you know, whatever. Just be a normal human being and they'll think that you're in love with them. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I think he stalked her and loved her from a distance at first, Mm -hmm. and just pretended they were together, like people do with, you know, celebrities. Yeah. Then, maybe when the stalker saw Dorothy taking Conrad to the hospital, he had such jealousy and rage and a breaking in his fantasy that it was just easier to kill her than to admit that she didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Um, You know, like, you want to preserve your fantasies and your desires. Killing her meant that she would never be anything other than what she was when he was stalking her. He would never have to see her grow up and move on. Which is kind of like a Lovely Bones type. Like, yes. Have you ever read the Lovely Bones? I have, and I've seen the movie. I never saw the movie, but the book was amazing. The book was phenomenal. Go uh, read it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, that's my theory. Yeah. I think it was some random weird guy who was infatuated with her. And yeah. when he was stalking her, and he's like, oh, we're at the store today. We're together. You're not together. No. You're staring at her from the parking lot while she's buying oranges. You yeah. Know? And when he thought, oh, we're going to the hospital, and saw her with Conrad. He got upset. He was probably like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? Conrad. (laughs) I'm sorry. (sighs) I literally actually had to bite my lip earlier. (laughs) I know. Because you said it, and I was like. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think. And that's so. Oh, it's horrifying. It like sets. It makes it feel like there's bugs under my skin because. That could happen to anybody. That could yeah. happen to a guy. That could happen to a girl. It could happen to a child. And it does. It happens all the time. And, she, and you never know. Right. And she was as normal as normal could be. Right. Inconspicuous. Really. Just a single mom, like, working her job. <sighs> That's horrifying. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's so scary. That's it's something that they talk about on, I think it's morbid, but probably all true crime podcasts talk about this. Change up your routines. Like, obviously, we all have a specific way we go to work or specific gas station we go to when we get gas or a coffee shop that we go to in the morning when we go get our breakfast or our coffee. Right. Try to change it up. Yeah, but at the same time, you really can't 
avoid that. Like, no. I'm not going to sit there and change every aspect of my life because I'm afraid someone's going to stalk me. Because then even if you do, if they're really stalking you, they'll just follow it. Yeah. They'll just follow it. And then even then they might realize you notice and then they'll do something. Just be very, very careful. Have you ever had an instance of that? <sighs> Actually, or an ex- like a, weird, a weird guy or something. An ex-boyfriend. And maybe he didn't... Like, I was never necessarily worried for my life. I was very fortunate in that. I wasn't worried that he was going to come, like, try to take me or hurt me in any way. But he was very... And he even still is kind of um, very infatuated with me and holds on to the idea of who I was and who we were when we were together. And he actually used to come into, like, my places of work. And, um, he would, like, send me flowers randomly. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I understand that maybe for them, and I know for him, like, he's not 100% crazy. Like, I don't right, think but, he'd ever but hurt to, me. But, but it's definitely like, oh, this is romantic. She's gonna love this, but. And for me, it was very scary. Like, how does, how the hell does he know where I am right, right. now? How does he know where like, I work? How does he. Be, just because you're doing something nice for someone doesn't mean they want it. Right. You know? And he used to tell me things like, you know, I've been keeping tabs on you through this person or that person or from various sources, and he wouldn't even disclose okay, it. Okay, first like, of all, if any of your friends. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. If any of your friends are disclosing to your ex where your whereabouts are or what you're doing, yeah. fuck them. Yeah. They're not your friends. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was just like mutual acquaintances, like from people that we used to know when we were together and they would see me on social media. And that's another thing, like you shouldn't have to filter what you put on social media. That should be your absolute choice, right. like how much you put on there. But it is horrifying because like I could put on there, you know, I'm with this person and I live in this city and I work at this place yeah. and they would be able to figure that out even if they're not friends with you, even right. if you have them blocked, which I did have him blocked, I still do. Right. He was able to get enough information oh, to still know account. where I am. You yeah. Can make a fake account or, or even message another friend and be like, hey, what's, have you talked to Ashley lately? And I'm sure that's probably all yeah. he did. And they don't, you know, they don't necessarily know the whole story and so, but you still shouldn't give out information right. that you don't know the or, person or wants them if, to give. Even if someone was like, hey, have you talked to so-and-so lately? I'd be like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, they're great. Like, <laughs> every now and then. And they're right. like, well, do you know where they work? I'd be like, uh. And I would, I would text that person and be like, hey, do you know your ex-boyfriend's trying to ask me where you are? Right. You know, now if you're like, that's kind of weird, but, you know, like that way you understand the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I got lucky. Like, I don't know that he would... Although I have told people in the past that he's very, like, stereotypical young Ted Bundy. (laughs) I got very lucky that, you know, he never tried to do that. But if he maybe had a psychotic break at some point, who knows? Like, it's been, like, four fucking years and he's still... Right. Keeping knows? tabs on me he and trying like to contact me. Exactly. And I'm not so self-absorbed that I think he does, but it's also not unrealistic to think something like that right. if somebody is trying to keep that close of an eye on you when they're not a part of your life anymore. So if you have someone like that, you need to to, to really try to put up more walls and get your friends and your and your family. He even tried yeah. to contact my family. Like he was contacting my younger sister, trying to contact like my godson and anything that he could to try to get a hold yeah. of me. And while that may seem innocent because he quote unquote loves me and just can't be without me, that's that's still not healthy. It's not your business ultimately. No, it's yeah. not. We um the only like weird like I thankfully have not had any like really creepy situations, but mm-hmm. I was underage. I was probably like sixteen or seventeen and I was seeing quote unquote seeing this guy and there was a kid that I went to church with who was five years older than me Mm -hmm. and he had Asperger's Mm -hmm. which is whatever 
And but he had this infatuation with me. Like oh, was totally obsessed no. with me. Would follow me and my boyfriend, quote unquote boyfriend, because we couldn't like really go out. We didn't we hardly know how to drive, okay? Right. So he would like follow me and my boyfriend around and I I told him I was like, That's kinda weird that he does that and we're like, Well, we'll sell outside because we know he has like Asperger's and he just wants right. to be a friend or whatever. Well, a couple years went by and I was on a boat with my friend, with my one of my girlfriends, and he sent me pictures of myself in a bikini oh. that my friend had posted. My friend okay. posted them, but he sent me pictures of them and was telling me how much he liked these pictures. And ultimately, you know what he was doing with them if yeah. you saved them. And he was like, you look so beautiful. Like, I love these pictures of you. And I was like, I thank you, but I have a, this was years after, like I had a different boyfriend now. Right. I said, thank you, but I have a boyfriend, and I don't feel comfortable taking compliments like this. Right. Like, I was very mature about it. I'm like, I appreciate the compliment, but you can't talk to me like that. Right. And he and he was like, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, you know, I'm not trying to be with you, but on the other hand, if you break up with him, will you give me a chance? Like, See, I'm not trying to be with you, but, but just in case you right. were thinking. And I just felt so uncomfortable, and, and, yeah. I, and I ended up having to block him. But it's like, you know, at, at what point, even with, even with like, mentally disabled people or people with mental issues, like, you have to cross a line at some point. Right. Even with your mental inhibition in place, you still have to be told, and it sounds like maybe that guy probably understood a little bit, like, what was too far sometimes in some situations. But even if they don't, and then you tell them, this is that point, this is that line, don't cross it, and then they still do. Right. But he, he was like... In his 20s. Like, he should He knew. He knew well enough. Right. You know? And I was still, like, maybe hardly even 18 yet. Yeah. He understood at least that much. Ho- hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. And thankfully, like, nothing went further than that. Maybe that was, like, the big red flag of, but like, it's, I'm blocking you. Like, you need to stop. Kind it's of uncomfortable. And like you said, even if you block them, like, that doesn't... That's not, like, the end-all be-all. Like, they're still going to try to right. find you. They're still going to try to contact you. Right. So, just be careful. And this is not just women that deal with this. This is men that deal with it from other men or other women or what, you know, whatever you identify as in between those two things. Right. This can happen to anybody. So just be very, very careful and make sure that you, you tell your friends when things seem fishy so they can keep an eye on it to your friends and your family. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't hesitate to cut that rope off. Cut it, cut it, get them out of here. And if they're mad about it, fuck them. Yep. And if you have to, scare them. Call the police. They may not be able to help you by enforcing any sort of thing on them, but it might scare them if you do. Right. Like, show them that you will take the measures you have to to keep them away from you. To respect yourself and don't, protect don't yourself. Don't be like, oh, well, I'll see me if I tell them no. No, tell them to fuck off. Yeah. If mur- I think it's a podcast called My Favorite Murder, and I've listened to a couple, and they their motto is, fuck politeness. And, yeah. you know, be kind to one another. Be kind. But... Fuck just being a nice person because you think that you have to if you sure. feel unsafe. If someone's being a douche, be a douche right back. I don't care. Protect yourself. It's important. That yeah. goes for even the menial things like being bullied. Right. If somebody's bullying you, let us know, I, by the I way. I guarantee, like, Dorothy had talked to this guy one time and he was like, oh, you know, whatever. And she was just like, oh, haha, yeah, thank you. Whatever. It was very nice customer service, you know. Right. And there, he took it as... There is a chance that maybe yeah. she didn't talk, she didn't speak any words to him. Mm-hmm. And he still stalked her, which is a possibility. Yeah. You gotta be careful, but fuck being polite. If yep. a guy's being weird, tell them, 
Shut up. Like, I don't want to hear that. And let's play devil advocates for a second because I know there's probably going to be some people out there that say, well, what if she was flirting with him and blah, blah, blah. Unless Dorothy specifically said to him, I want to see you. I want to be involved with you. I want to do X, Y, and Z with you. Every single thing that that man did to her was uninvited. And, and you have to think, like, she he killed her. Yeah. He killed her. You Whoever can, he was, he did something he, horrendous to her, no matter what was, she said to him. She took self-defense classes. He was not invited. Yes. He was not invited. And flirting and talking to people is hard and it's weird, but there are clear signs to tell you if they're interested or not. Exactly. Just because somebody is maybe flirting with you and saying things that, that you like to hear and are maybe exciting right. you, unless they say to you... I want this with you. Or even, don't be afraid to just ask it. Just be right. like, hey, do you like me? Right. Or is, am I okay to do, do this? Do you want to do these things with me? Right. Because I'm sure they'll probably tell you. Because there are really polite people who are scared of confrontation. Yeah. Who, if you're flirting with them, they'll nod and smile because they want the conversation to be normal. Right. But if you ask them, hey, are you comfortable with me talking to you? Like, do you want me to leave? They will tell you the honest truth. If you exactly. give them the opportunity, they will tell you. And if not... You can tell if they're telling the truth. Exactly. There's always a line with people. Even somebody you're in a relationship with, there is a line. If you ever reach it, I hope to God they tell you, but I also hope you're paying attention enough to know when you've reached it with another human being. Yeah. I think so. All right. I think that's a good place to stop. I agree. Good story. I liked that. You want to give our plugs? Yes. We are on um, Twitter, CITC Podcasts. We are on Instagram, Crime in the Coconut. Our Gmail is crimeinthecoconut at gmail.com. Send us spooky stories. Send us more information on cases or case suggestions or story suggestions, whatever. Real life experiences. Everything and anything. Just say hi. Whatever. We're on Spotify, um, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. We're on Anchor. We're Podbean-based. We're on iHeartRadio, all of that. If you listen to us on something that allows you to leave rate and reviews, please rate and review us. We prefer them to be nice, but be realistic, you know? We're, yeah. we're new. We want to hear what you have to say. Constructive criticism. Yeah. I've, I've heard a couple of times people can tell we're recording on one mic. Yeah. Uh, we're new to this. I know it, it would be better if we had two mics, but we'll get this, there. <laughs> this is what we're working on now. So Maybe we'll start a Patreon, and then if you really love us, you can help <laughs> us get two mics. Yeah. <laughs> but we have heard people say, like, you know, that they do like listening to us and that they enjoy hearing our voices, and we enjoy hearing that you like that. So have conversations with us. Um, follow us. Be active with us. We like to be active with you. That's why we're doing it. So thanks for listening. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.